Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. The, the local sports, local leader. sports leader. Burns and Gambo. The 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. Right, let's get going with the top stories of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. You come to us at 4 o'clock every day for everything going on. Here's everything going on. The expected final game for the Suns before the return of Kevin Durant goes down tonight in Utah, and they still could be getting reinforcements for tonight's game. Center DeAndre Ayton has been listed as probable to return to action tonight after missing the Suns' last four. They went one in three without DA. Yeah, good to get him back. A little bit of a hip injury right there. Utah's all banged up. They're going to be without some key players. Sexton's been out for about 13 games now, although I do expect Laurie Markinen to play. It's likely he's going to play tonight. He was on the list, injury list as well. Yeah, he was listed as questionable. Jordan Clarkson is out with a finger sprain. Rudy Gay is out with back soreness. You mentioned Colin Sexton. He's out again tonight. Laurie Markkinen, it sounds like, according to your reporting, is going to play. Suns have not confirmed Kevin Durant is going to come back on Wednesday, by the way. That's just the report that came down late last week. Tip-off, a little earlier than normal, 6 o'clock. You can hear all the action on the Arizona Sports app and, of course, on 98.7. And I did see this video today, and it's super cool um, on Twitter. Michael Rubin, who's the CEO of Fanatics, was at a sports card store in L.A. On Sunday, he came across a fan of Suns guard Devin Booker. She had a half dozen, maybe more, of Devin Booker's trading cards. Okay, I did his, not see the story. Over his career. Okay. Uh, Michael Rubin still runs in the NBA circles. He had Devin Booker's number. So he FaceTimed Devin Booker. And Devin Booker did a FaceTime call with this girl who could show her, show Book, all of the, the cards that she, and she lost her mind. She lost her mind that she was FaceTiming with Devin Booker in a, in a card store like that because she's a super fan of Devin Booker. Was she, what was she doing with the cards? She, I, I'm not sure what she's she, selling them. No, I don't think so. I think she was just there. She was at a card store and she was just kind of, they were all in the plastic wrap and all protected. Mitch, do you know what she was there? I think it was just an expo. So if anything, you're just showing up with your own stuff and just showing it off to everybody show else. off your stuff, yeah. Okay. So the Sun Star called in and it was it was really cool, very cool. The big NFL news today, Lamar Jackson tweeting out that he has requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens. Right, said he requested the trade early in March, like March 2nd, because he does not believe that the Ravens will pay him what his true value is, so he'd rather be dealt somewhere where they will pay him. The timing was juicy because Ravens head coach John Harbaugh, it was like minutes before before he was scheduled to meet at the owners' meetings in the Valley today. So our own Tyler Drake was there and got this audio. I haven't seen the tweet. It's an ongoing process. Uh, I'm, I'm following it very closely, just like everybody else is here, and uh, looking forward to a resolution. I'm excited, thinking about Lamar all the time, thinking about him as our quarterback. We're building our offense around that idea, and uh, I'm just looking forward to getting back to football. I'm confident that's going to happen. Now, of course, he's got the franchise tag on him. It pays him $32 million. He hasn't signed the tag yet. Can't really be moved until he does, but he's still acting as his own agent. Yes. Now we're trying to figure out where he's going to go. Well, I mean, it's not a lot of options there, right? He's, he could play for the tag. He could hold out or hold in. He could agree to a long-term contract with the Ravens after you know these failed negotiations so far. He could be traded. I count four options that are available for him. Yeah, uh, according to reports, the New York Jets, they, they've come up as an option for Lamar Jackson. They say they are committed to getting something done with Aaron Rodgers and they wouldn't do anything there. Colts GM Chris Ballard on Monday confirmed 
The Indianapolis Colts have interest in Lamar Jackson. Wow. Well, they should. Interest. They should. They should. He's a good quarterback. Least, he's a winning quarterback. He's to, a, to clarify, confirming that Indianapolis has to consider all options to fix the position. And yes. he wouldn't rule out Lamar yes. Jackson. Yeah. Lamar Jackson's career has been, he won the MVP. They've struggled. They're 3-9 and nine without him. But yes, it makes sense that Indianapolis would be, would be interesting. And then they were talking about this on NFL Live today, and Marcus Spears on that show on ESPN brought up, yeah, the Cardinals as a fun trade partner for the Ravens. What about sending Kyler Murray in a pick and getting Lamar Jackson, right? Similar. Uh, The Ravens wouldn't have to change much. Dan Orlovsky. Baltimore would lose their mind if the Ravens did that. They would lose if it was oh, just a straight fans? up trade with yeah. Tyler. Lose their mind. I, 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 get the, I like you your premise, though. If you're Arizona, you're like, hey, what Dan, are the chances? let the man have some fun. <laughs> you know, it's funny they brought that up because I brought this up in our email to each other this morning. Hey, would you do Kyler for Lamar Jackson? Now, you have to do a deep dive into what the ramifications would be with the cap and everything. But player for player, I'd do it. Yeah, player for player. The, the, I would do it. The, the trick is the cap. And knowing that Lamar wants, what, $200 million guaranteed? What does Kyler have guaranteed? Like half that, right? I mean, your financial commitment to your quarterback potentially doubling. Now, Lamar's resume compared to Kyler, it ain't even close. It's Look, dreaming's free. It's not going to happen. It's a really interesting thought, though, and certainly fun to have some conversation about this. In other Arizona Cardinal-related news. DeAndre Hopkins. You know, talking to other teams around the league, they do expect something to shake out with a Hopkins trade with Arizona in the near future, but that Arizona would have to come off their asking price. I've talked to teams who say that Arizona has wanted a second-round pick and more, almost like a Christian McCaffrey package that you saw during the season last year. Second, third-round pick, something big. So teams aren't willing to do that as of yet. That was ESPN's Jeremy Fowler over the weekend saying teams are saying the Cardinals want a Christian McCaffrey-like package in return for D-Hop. Yeah, I mean, that's two, three, four, five, and we've been we've been talking about how they can't even get a two right now, so... I don't know. I don't. Ex- you know. I do expect he's going to get traded. I'm just not exactly sure what they're going to what they're going to be able to get back. According to Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated, the Cardinals are now allowing other NFL teams permission to speak with Hopkins to facilitate a trade. Things yeah. have kind of stalled out. They're going to see if D. Hop can basically work his own deal. Yeah, but isn't that crazy? Like, hey, we can't find a trade partner for you. Go try try to find one yourself. Yeah. I mean, would you not exhaust every option if you're Monty Austin for it to try to trade him? Fresh set of eyes, fresh another voice on the other end of the phone, see if something better can be worked out. And by the way, happy anniversary. 20 years ago today. 20 years ago today. Give me a hint. The, Arizona, a hint. the Arizona Cardinals signed Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith. 20, Emmett Smith. 20 years ago today. Happy anniversary. He played two years. He was done. He was fine his second year. His second year actually put okay. up okay. He's right. He's okay. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a total disaster. Final four is set, and it looks strange. Ninth-seeded Florida Atlantic taking on fifth-seeded San Diego State. Then fifth-seeded Miami taking on fourth-seeded UConn. A nine, two fives, and a 
four. Where's Kansas? No Houston, Kansas. Alabama. None. Where's U of A? No Duke. Oh, no Kentucky. Geez. No U of A. <laughs> UConn's a blue blood. I'll give you that. Um, but this is it, uh, one of the most unique Final Fours I think we've ever seen. It has made for a great tournament up until this point. Even some of the action over the weekend was just phenomenal and a lot of fun to watch. No, that's true. And, you know, you, you, at some point, you don't care about your bragging. You just care about the upsets. And watching all the ones, the twos, and threes get beaten was actually pretty cool. Yeah, the Arizona Wildcats and Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball teams finalizing a 2023 neutral site game in Phoenix. That according to John Rothstein of FanDuel. I think that's great. I mean, that's the thing that separates Arizona from a lot of other schools. I mean, that's why they're always so highly rated in these tournaments is because they play the best. Like, they win big tournaments. They play great schools. And um, just playing them gives them that, you know, that 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 high RPI and strength of schedule and everything, which helps them in the seating. All right. In the NBA tonight, Luka Doncic eligible to play, eligible, I should say, to play tonight against Indiana. The NBA rescinded his 16th technical, which means he's not suspended, means he's allowed to play. LeBron James returned to the court over the weekend as the Lakers lost to the Bulls. He was asked about the torn tendon in his right foot. Did anyone ever suggest surgery? Yeah, two doctors. Why did you decide against it? Because I went to LeBron James' feet and he told me I should. (laughs) The pause is the best. I went to the LeBron James of feet, I guess. Right. What other better way is there to put it? Well, whatever. He avoided surgery. came back and they lost with him coming off the bench. Now they're right now in the play-in tournament, but barely. Suns are fourth in the West. They lead the Clippers by a game in the loss column. The Clippers are taking on the Bulls tonight. Minnesota is taking on Sacramento. And then the Coyotes are back in action tonight. They're taking on the Edmondson Oilers at Mullet Arena. All eyes on Clayton Keller. He scored again last night, setting a Coyotes record, extending his point streak to 12 games. No other player since the franchise's first season in Arizona has reached that mark. Shane Doan held the previous record at 11. Yeah, and he's at 80 points now. And 80 points puts him within striking distance of what the all-time record would be. Would be, And I believe that's Keith Kachuk, who had uh, 86. Ni- he had 86 points. I've got it as 80. Am I wrong? I've got it as 86 points for Kachuk. Am I wrong? I had it as 98, but that would be with Winnipeg, and I had it as 98 points. Okay, it might be the record here in Arizona. We'll do some okay, double checking yeah. on that. No, yeah, that was here in Arizona, 95, 96. All right, we'll, check, we'll double, we'll check, double check, check. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, eight more games to catch Kachuk. We'll do a little fact-checking on our numbers here. 7 o'clock tonight, the Oilers taking on the Coyotes here on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 620. This is your last shot to participate in the madness. Text the word BUCKS to 620-620. Choose from the last four teams for your chance to win 250 bucks. Again, text the word BUCKS to 620-620. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks. It's presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Let's dive a little deeper into this. Lamar Jackson, if he gets traded, how could that impact the Arizona Cardinals? Could it impact them? We'll talk next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I do. You know, you gotta you gotta plan for all the contingencies for sure. But I'm pretty I'm pretty fired up about Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a great player. Lamar uh, 
came back in great shape last year. He's fired up to play. Uh, that's the Lamar that I'm looking for, looking forward to seeing. Can't wait to get back on the grass and go to work, and I'm confident that's going to happen. Sean Harbaugh today here in the Valley, part of the owners' meetings, the league meetings going on here um, for the next for the rest of this week or so. And it was I, I'm not going to say it was an ambush, but certainly the timing. Lamar Jackson sends out a tweet this morning saying he asked for a trade back on March 2nd, and it was literally minutes before John Harbaugh was scheduled to meet with the media at the the owners' meetings today. So here he is. He gets sprung with these questions about Lamar Jackson. Says he's been following the situation closely, but he hasn't seen Lamar's tweet. I haven't seen the tweet. It's an ongoing process. Uh, I'm, I'm following it very closely, just like everybody else is here, and uh, looking forward to a resolution. I'm excited thinking about Lamar all the time, thinking about him as our quarterback. We're building our offense around that idea, and uh, I'm just looking forward to getting back to football. I'm confident that's going to happen. Yeah, I, whether he saw the tweet or not, I don't know. I mean, that's a tough situation to be in. I mean, you've got a franchise quarterback You've got a guy that you've won a lot of games with. The fans love him. He's electric. He's dynamic. Now, apparently, he wants that fully guaranteed contract. I don't know what you do with you, the Ravens. I mean, clearly, we talk about this all the time. And I actually, if they don't think that he's the guy, I applaud what they're doing. If they don't think he's the guy. Because it's a lot better than throwing $250 million at a guy you're unsure about, like what the Arizona Cardinals did. Okay? If you're not sure about the guy, listen, we'll pay you, we'll pay you $32 million this year. Take it or leave it. You know, now he can demand a trade. He doesn't have to, they don't have to trade him. They can tag him again next year. Sure. So they left it open. They said, listen, we're not even going to give you the full franchise tag. We're going to give you this other tag. If somebody wants you, they got to give us two first round picks. So if you're not sold on the guy, you don't want to do what some of these other teams have done, wasted money and been stuck with players. Play it out another year or two if you are them. Now, obviously, I feel like they probably feel like if somebody's willing to take them, we'll take the two first round picks and we'll move on. So, I listen. I think Lamar's really, really good. I would want him as my starting quarterback. Clearly, the Ravens don't feel that way. They don't feel like he's worthy of that big time contract unless it really comes down to. We're just not going to give you a fully guaranteed contract. Well, if you come off of that, we can work on something. That that seems to be the, the the sticking point here, right? Is the fully guaranteed part and how much guaranteed money does Lamar Jackson want? And does because here here's the thing. I've been thinking a lot about this fully guaranteed stuff. All right. Joe Burrow's going to be up for a new contract. Justin Herbert's going to be up for a new contract. Man, the NFL owners, if it's collusion or not, whatever you want to define it as, they better get right with the idea that quarterbacks are going to get more and more guaranteed money as time goes on. Because I tell you what, Joe Burrow is going to ask for the moon, and he should get it. Justin Herbert's going to ask for the moon, and he should get it, right? I mean, that's there are quarterbacks. Now, whether Lamar Jackson is the quarterback who breaks that mold, whether Lamar Mark Jackson is the one who should join Deshaun Watson as a guy who gets a fully guaranteed contract. But if owners are worried and they're colluding because they're worried that Lamar Jackson is going to get a fully guaranteed contract, and this means that everyone's going to want fully guaranteed contracts, newsflash, Joe Burrow's going to want one too. Joe Burrow's going to be in a position to demand one and probably and what do you get do? it. What do you do if you're Cincinnati? And what are you supposed to do? Let him walk? Let let the best thing that's ever happened to your organization walk away no, because you I won't give him guaranteed money. The only thing you do is you've got full control for two more years after his contract ends at franchise tags. But then after that, 
I think there's a third year tag, but it's kind of crazy, right? Is there? I'm not sure about that. I don't. I mean, either way, you can't tie him up a long time. No, and either way, it's it's going to be the same thing. I don't know for sure what Joe Burrow's going to do. I don't want to act like I'm speaking for him, but it's very easy to envision a scenario in which Joe Burrow does the exact same thing Lamar Jackson's doing. No, man, I, I want I want to. Practically fully guaranteed contract. And if you're not going to give it to me, I'm going to demand a trade, just like Lamar Jackson has demanded a trade, and he's going to want out. Now, Lamar might be doing this as a, as a negotiating ploy. I'm just saying that the guaranteed contract thing, this is not over. And just because teams don't want to give Lamar Jackson one because Deshaun Watson got one doesn't mean that other quarterbacks aren't going to be deserving of it or aren't going to think that they should get one at some point. It will happen. Yeah, let me see. Uh, a third consecutive tag runs at either 144% of the second year tag salary, 120% of the average of the five highest salaries in their respective position, or the average of the top five salaries at, the high, at a highest paid position, whichever is higher. So you can definitely tag a guy you know, two years in a row, but I think there was some, unless they did away with it, there was some way you could do it a third time, but it was like a ridiculous amount of money. Well, either way, Baltimore's got a mess on their hands right now, and what we're trying to figure out from our standpoint here in Arizona is, does this impact us here at all? And, and there's two ways it could impact us, including a third that's the really crazy scenario, okay? Yeah. Way number one is he gets traded to a team that would directly impact us. The 49ers come to mind. The the Rams, you know, the Seahawks, some division rival, okay. some team, you know, could could somebody like that make a play? You sent me a list earlier today of the six teams that make sense for Lamar Jackson. Yep. None of them are in the NFC West. None no. of them like impacted the Cardinals. Atlanta, in that the Jets, the Colts, the Panthers, the Commanders, and the Patriots. No NFC West. Okay. The other way it impacts the Cardinals, if it is their intention to move down one spot with the Colts and get Will Anderson in the draft, the Colts' interest in Lamar Jackson could very much impact the Cardinals' plans this offseason. Because if the Colts go get him, now that draft pick belongs to Baltimore. Now the Colts don't need a quarterback. How badly does that inhibit the Cardinals from being able to make a trade to move down one spot, get Will Anderson, and still get the extra draft capital that comes Couldn't with it? Couldn't the Colts just wait until after the draft and then and then go make an offer to them and give up two draft picks that aren't this year? They could, but then they wouldn't give up inventory to move up one spot to take a quarterback, no, right? No, Not if they're going to go take Lamar Jackson. No. And we do have some news in this regard. There's um, This is a quote from Chris Ballard, who's the Colts general manager. He confirmed the team's interest in Lamar Jackson at the annual meeting, saying that Indianapolis has to consider all options to fix the position. Quote, anytime a special player is available, which he is, you You've got to do the work. I'm not going to get into deep discussions on where it's at or what we're doing or what we might do, but I'll tell you, he's a really good player, really special player, but you never know how any of this will work he's out. He's 45 and 16 as a starting quarterback. Only three quarterbacks have a have a better winning percentage in their you know in their 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 years. So fourth best of any quarterback who debuted in the Super Bowl era, trailing only Mahomes, Brady, and Roger Starback. 
45 and 16. That's a 738 winning percentage. This guy was an MVP. I don't understand the dislike for Lamar. I think the guy's fantastic. I'd like to have him on my team. I would trade Kyler Murray for him if you could make it work out. Um, now, you could sit there and say, okay, the way he plays the game, he not, may not play for long. I'm willing to take that risk of having him at his best for a few good years. Marcus Spears this morning on NFL Live. I'm focus on the more fun part uh, that you said, Buggy. What about the Cardinals? What about <laughs> sending Kyler Murray in a pick Whoa. and getting Lamar Jackson? Like, right, similar? <laughs> uh, the Ravens wouldn't have to change much. Maybe you involve the passing game. Tom Munkin comes in. He can build and formulate a new relationship with Kyler Murray. We know what the contract uh, language was when Kyler Murray was re-signed. We know what they had to go through. By the way, that, he called it a fun trade partner for Lamar. Sure. Dan Orlovsky's reaction. Baltimore would lose their mind <laughs> if the Ravens did that. They would lose if it was oh, just a straight-up trade with yeah. Tyler. Lose their mind. I, 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 get the, I like you your premise, though. If you're Arizona, you're like, hey, what Dan, are the chances? Dan, let the man have some fun. Now, look, they're not reporting. They're just having some fun trying to figure out potential destinations. Yeah, where could he go? Where could he go? What could happen? And you said it. You mentioned in your email to all of us today, hey, what if the Cardinals were to kick the tires on this? We you got a new you got a new GM who's got no ties to drafting Kyler Murray. He also had no ties to Zach Allen and Byron Murphy. He's got no ties to Isaiah Simmons. I'm just saying. Like, I, again, I would have to do some more of a deep dive into the salary cap ramifications because that all matters. But if I told you right now it, it could work out and there's no real salary cap issues, would you trade Lamar for Kyler? I like Lamar better than Me I too. like Kyler. Me too. Yeah. I mean, there's Me just, there's more to like with the resume and everything. Yeah. But but, but again, now you're getting into money. You're getting into dollars. Right. You're getting into right. salary cap. And, and if he does want $2 million guaranteed, you, you think Michael's going to be able to put that in escrow for him? I mean, who knows? It gets really complicated. But you're just talking about quarterbacks. Then, yes, I would agree that would be an interesting swap. But there's a lot that comes with that. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, there was good. There was bad. There was some ugly from the two games of the Suns this past weekend. And through it all, they're still in fourth. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. 4.30 in the afternoon here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Happy Monday to you. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. DeAndre Ayton is available. Available to play. All right, good, good. Get him back, get KD back. Health is the most important thing. I mean, every, these games just don't matter. Lose to Sacramento, beat Philly, doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you get, you, you, you're invested in the t- games because you're invested in the team. But in the grand scheme of things, it's none of these games that oh, we've witnessed over the last couple weeks. Totally. They don't mean anything. It's micro versus macro. Like, like you know, the, what happened on Friday night didn't have any real bearing for the big picture. It just pissed me off because it was once again this over-obsession with the officiating. What happened on Saturday night was great. It didn't mean anything mm-hmm. in the big picture. It was just great to see them finally get a win and to see the bench play all that well. I, the only thing that matters is staying out of the play-in tournament. I think even that they could survive if they absolutely had to. I I don't want them to find out. I don't want them to test that theory. But I think as long as you stay out of seven, I don't, I don't really care where they end up. As long as they stay healthy, it doesn't matter. It, it is a real difference between micro, the small picture, and macro, the big picture. And in the big picture, these games right now, I mean, right, right. let's be honest. Right now, other than looking at the standings, trying to figure out who you're going to play and all that stuff, we've all got a 
timer in our head counting down to when the playoffs start. That's what matters. That and yeah. everybody staying yeah. healthy is all that matters. Listen, it's one of the oddest things I think we'll ever see in our life because the starting five of the Phoenix Suns may very well be the team with the least amount of minutes played together as a unit that, that's ever played in the playoffs. And if you factor in, uh, let's throw in another one because I think we've established now that T.J. Warren and Terrence Ross are very likely going to be part of the, the rotation in the playoffs. These guys have been here for, for, for a short amount of time. You're going to go in with three of your top seven Seven or eight guys having not really been a part of your regular rotation all year long. It's 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 kind of crazy to be honest. It's with It's crazy to think. Now the Suns have not said anything about whether KD is for sure <clears throat> going to be back on Wednesday. Kind of basing that off of. Shams reporting from going into the weekend. He said that kind of Wednesday is the target date. But if Aiden is available tonight and if KD is coming back on Wednesday like it's been reported, then you can start to see the plan come together. Let's just hope it stays together. That's the micro view. The, or the macro view, I should say. The micro view, okay. they needed that win on Saturday night in the worst kind of way. He drives down the left side, hands it off to Booker coming by. Booker lobs it underneath. Biambo's there. Whammo time! Great assist, Pete. Booker, Biombo for two. Not because it meant anything in the standings or in the big picture. This team's had some real bad mojo the last couple of weeks, and they had to do something to fix that, to change that course a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. I think so. I mean, what was impressive about the win against Philadelphia, two teams that have come off of playing the night before, is that the Suns bench really delivered. They really stepped up in that fourth quarter. As a matter of fact, nobody named Devin Booker or Chris Paul scored a single point in the fourth quarter of that basketball game. It was TJ, it was Ross, it was Payne, it was Koji, it was Ish. Those The only backup that played that didn't score was Landale. But it was just, it was an impressive performance by those guys. Now, Monty did bring Devin Booker back into the game in the fourth quarter with 6.08 left. But at that time, the Suns were up by 18. They were up 109.91. About two minutes and 50 seconds later, he pulled him. He said, okay, no, no use having you out there. So he played Less than three minutes in the fourth quarter. He didn't have any baskets. He had a couple assists on a beautiful alley-oop to, to Bismack Biombo and another pass to Biombo. Um, but he didn't play a whole lot, which is good. You know, you want to see Devin Booker get a little bit of time. Well, I was kind of surprised he came back into the game, to be honest with Me you. Me too. With, 18, you know, with the 18-point lead and like six minutes to go in that game. As much as we want to talk about the bench, too, we, we do have to give it up to Devin Booker, whose month of March has just, just been extraordinary. Yeah. 29 points in that game on Saturday night. His field goal percentage for the month of March is 58%. Keep in mind, he's not a big on the interior. He's not a power forward. He's he's a shooting guard. He's a two guard out there, and he's shooting 58% for the month of March. He's been great. He's over 30 points every single game he's played this month except for three. And the one thing that's been very obvious about his game, okay, we can talk about the complaining with the referees. We probably will talk about that in a moment. But you can see him, and Kellen did a really good job of pointing this out this morning on ArizonaSports.com. You can see him deliberately attacking the basket more the last couple of games. Almost as if to say, okay, we're a mid-range shooting, jump shot shooting team that doesn't get any calls. What can we do to get calls? We can attack the rim. And even though the roster isn't filled with guys who can do it, Devin Booker is one of the few guys on the team who can. And these last couple of games with all of this officiating talk swirling, have you noticed how much extra emphasis he has put on attacking the rim the last couple of games? Because to me, it's been very obvious what he's trying to do. I've never really thought that, like, 
like Booker wasn't getting to the free throw line. It's kind of like everybody else because he is the one guy that tends to that tends to drive and create contact. So there's been games where we've complained about the, the officiating. And you're like, okay, well, you know, I mean, he 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 got the, the the loss to the Lakers. He was at the free throw line twelve times. The loss to Golden State. He was there ten times. So uh, fourteen against Sacramento, nine for nine yesterday against Philly. But I mean, you can make an argument that the twenty three in the last two games is the most he's had in any two game period I think this season that there's not another there's not another two game stretch where two he had game 23 stretch. Well, there's one, I can go back to November there's one stretch where he had 24 okay he had 15 against the Jazz and 9 against the Warriors that's 24 so only once this season has he gone to the line more in a two game stretch than he did against Sacramento and Philly, to your point. And without him saying as much, I, I got to think that's by design. Because he's heard the criticisms the last week or so, you know, as if to say, well, you're not getting, you as a team aren't getting calls because you as a team don't drive the rim very much. You don't attack the rim very much. And it's almost like, oh, yeah, watch this, you know, and, and now he's doing it. All that being said, and, and I like what you said about the bench. Monty talked about the bench and how they stepped up on Saturday. Our bench production, I think that's 53 to, they had 17. You know, that's that's huge on a back-to-back um, emotional loss last night. And our guys just, we had to dig deep. You know, you could see both teams were tired. They needed that win on Saturday because, again, in a micro sense, not in a macro sense, but in a small picture sense, it was alarming what happened on Friday night. They lost their minds. They lost it, their concentration. They, they lost did. their focus. They took their eye off the ball. They got way... And it, Happen again. And if you didn't watch the game on Friday night and you hear us talking about the Suns' level of obsession with the officiating, go back and watch Friday's game against Sacramento in the third quarter. They lost their mind over the officiating and completely lost focus on the game because of it. Yeah, and there was a couple of things that led to the Sacramento comeback. One was that they couldn't get around a Sabonis pick to save their lives. And that's all Huerta kept doing. Sabonis, it was like a quarterback. I'm going to hand the ball off and I'm going to stand here and then you're going to shoot. I'm going to hand the ball off. I'm going to stand there. And that's what, like, you know, nobody could get through it. You know, nobody could get through those picks. And it made it real easy for, for Huerta to get those easy shots. But that was a play that, that, that I marked down in my, my notes that was pro- probably one of the worst plays I've seen by the Phoenix Suns this year. Top five for sure. And it's 89-79. You're down by 10. And they had just scored. Mitchell had just scored on a floater. And then Cameron Payne passes the ball to Devin Booker on the inbounds pass. And then Devin Booker goes to pass it back. And it's this soft little bounce. And Harrison Bond sitting there saying, really? All right. I'm just going to come in there. Excuse me. I'm going to take that and I'm going to dunk the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's what he did. It was a lazy pass from Book. Barnes just grabbed it out of midair off the bounce. And Payne and Booker just watched him as like, I can't believe you just passed me that ball. And he dunked the ball. And it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing for Book. It was embarrassing for the Suns. And I just think their frustration level had gotten to that point. Their frustration level was so high because of how poorly they were playing and arguing with the refs and everything and made it a 12-point lead. And the Kings knew it. The, 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 the refs 100%. were in the Suns' head. The Kings knew the refs were in the Suns' head. And everybody played. And, and it's, it's too bad because it was a waste of a great first half of basketball by the 
Suns. I mean, they were sharing the ball well. They shot the ball extremely well in the first half of that game. I thought, okay, they're going to go to Sacramento. They're going to steal one that's going to reaffirm some faith. And then it was just all back to the same old stuff with the officiating. I, I don't remember the exact sequence, but Kellen was writing about a sequence where Devin Booker spent 20 seconds just talking with a referee. When the Suns had the ball, instead of being engaged offensively, he's literally having a running dialogue with an official about calls they're not getting. And that's where this team has to be careful. That's where Devin Booker and Chris Paul have to be careful. They're the tone setters on this. They're the ones who do it more than the other guys do, I think. And they just have to be careful. If it's inequitable, if it's unfair, okay. But at some point, you have to turn your back and walk away from it. And they they reached that point on Friday night where they should have walked away from it. They just couldn't do it. What stood out, too, in that game was just how awful defensively they were. Especially in that third quarter and fourth quarter when Sacramento was able to pull away. The Suns just were not playing good defense. I couldn't get any stops. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, take a look at the current NFC conference and the quarterbacks in the NFC. Where exactly would we put Kyler Murray in that conversation? That's next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day. And for that, we turn it back over to Eric Ruby here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Rubes, what you got? Well, I got a couple things cooking. I would encourage people to go to at Burns and Gambo. We've got a headliner going up that uh, I would say is quite hilarious in the next couple of minutes. So keep your eyes tuned to that on Twitter. But our questions for today revolve around Lamar Jackson and March Madness. Let's start with Lamar. Which of these scenarios after he has requested a trade from the Ravens worries you the most if it impacts the Cardinals? Option number A is the Colts acquire Lamar Jackson and the Cards can't trade back one spot in the draft to take Will Anderson. Option number B is that a team in your division, the 49ers, the Rams, the Seahawks, they trade for Lamar Jackson. Or option C, you're not really worried about any of the impact this Lamar Jackson situation has on Arizona. It's either C or A for me. I think probably A. I, I, you know, I'm holding out for for the scenario in which they trade back one spot with the Colts and they get an extra pick or two and you know really nail the draft. Yeah, I, I would say A would worry me. But even if it happens, even if the Colts trade for Lamar Jackson now, now if you're the Cardinals, you just deal with the Ravens at four instead of the Colts at four. It doesn't mean you can't make a deal. I don't know if it makes it any easier or any harder. But just because the Colts trade out, someone's got to trade in, and presumably that team will want a quarterback. So I think you could still make a deal. But I would worry about that because it feels like there's been momentum building about the Colts in a deal. Our audience? Our audience is heavily in favor of C. They're not concerned about the impact of Lamar Jackson on the Cardinals. That's 68%. In second place, separating themselves a little bit at 17.4% is A. The Colts situation at 14.5% is B. A team in the NFC West acquires Lamar. That one a little bit low to me. But the other question... Who's going to win the NCAA championship? UConn. 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 They're they bl- look the best. Yeah, and not just because they're a quote-unquote blue blood. And they are. I shouldn't say quote-unquote. They are blue blood. Um, they've just been demolishing everybody. I mean, they, they've been destroying teams so far this tournament. I, I think they're going to they're gonna win it all. And they're destroying this poll as well. 65.4% rolling with the Huskies to cut down the nets. In second place, tied at 13% still. It's SDSU and Miami. In last place at 7.8% is FAU. Oh, would that be so cool if FAU won a championship? That'd be great. 
Florida Atlantic. That'd be so cool if Florida Atlantic won a championship. And you're right. I was watching the post-game on-court presser with the, with the coach, the FAU coach. And I think I even turned to my wife and I said, that dude is going to – somebody is going to come hire him and say, hey, what you did for them, do for us, please. Yes. Gar- it's guaranteed happens all, to happen. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Tournament coach goes on a tournament run, gets a nice gig. What happened to Jim Larnaga, right? He was George Mason. He was George Mason's George coach. Mason. And he parlayed that into Miami's I think he coach. got to the Final Four with them. He did. Oh, yeah. George like Mason Final Four. Seed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. That's that's how. How about the USC guy? Uh, the um, Florida Gulf Andy, Coast? Andy Enfield. Andy Enfield. Florida Gulf Coast. That's right. Parlayed that. A nice career at USC. It happens. Sometimes it works. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. But, yeah, that's how these things go. All right. Thank you. You can find uh, both of those poll questions on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page, at Burns and Gambo. But one word is where you can find it on social media. We talk about this all the time. If you're comparing conferences, AFC to the NFC, all of the great quarterbacks are in the AFC, which, which is why everything that's gone down these last couple of years for the Cards is such a shame because there really is such a void right now of great quarterbacks in the NFC. Pro Football Focus has really attached themselves to this. They say there's only one quarterback in the entire NFC who's as elite in the AFC, and that's Jalen Hurts. We talk about this so many times. How many times have we talked about this? You're much better off being in the NFC. There's no quarterbacks here. It's a gauntlet in the AFC. Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen. Like, there's so many good quarterbacks there. Even like Trevor Lawrence had a good year. Like, there's six or seven guys. They're good. I mean, Lamar Jackson. You go to the NFC, it's garbage. There's nobody good in the NFC. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I don't even think Kyler Murray's that good, but I don't think that this article saying that he's the second best quarterback is crazy. I really don't think it is crazy. I think it's probably in line. He might be third. You might find somebody that's better than him, but the only guy they have better than him is Jalen Hurts. That's it. Nobody else. Yeah, they've, they've got it in the categories. Jalen Hurts is in the as elite as the AFC category. Yeah, he was really good. He was really year. good. He was great. And then in the next category, they have capable of a run of elite play. They've got Kyler. And they, he's the only one they've got in parentheses. It says win healthy, Kyler Murray. Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott. Then the next tier is needs a super team supporting cast. They've got Daniel Jones, Geno Smith. Jared Goff, Derek Carr, and then they've got guys that we just don't know about. That's Justin right, Derek Fields. Carr's in the NFC. Derek now. Carr's now yes. in the NFC. Nobody, you know, but that doesn't scare anybody. Look, I don't know that Kyler's. I think that a lot of these quarterbacks after Hurts right now are all very similar. If you take them on a one-year deal, and if you don't like factor in it, because if you factor in age, you make a look at Stafford and some of the other guys and be like, ah. But if you just say for right now, one, I got one year, not one game, but one year with a guy. I don't know, like you know, you could mix them all up, and I think everybody would come up with a different rating system. Press Dak and Kirk and Matthew Stafford and Murray and Carr and all these guys. Nobody is separate. None of those guys are separated from each other. None of them have. So some people may like, okay, I like Kyler the best out of that group. Some people may like him third best, fifth best, sixth best. I don't know. But there's really no separation. That's a lot of mediocrity right there. Okay? That's a lot of media, media, and I'm, I put Kyler in that mediocre class. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of mediocre quarterbacks. Stir them all up in a pod. Who's better than the other? I don't know. Who cares? Because
because a mediocre quarterback is just that, a mediocre quarterback. You're probably not going to win a whole lot with those guys. No, you're probably not. It's just with Kyler, we care because he's our quarterback, and we care because we know we know how much more is there, right? Like with Matthew Stafford, how much more is actually there? I don't know. I mean, he led them to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but it seems like he's obviously very much on the decline of his career. Kirk Cousins, he's hitting his head on his ceiling. Uh, Dak Prescott, he's hitting his head on his ceiling. Geno Smith was a one-year wonder. Who knows what really that's about? Daniel Jones, same thing. Who knows what's really that's about there? Kyler, and maybe I'm just thinking about this the way I want to think about The ceiling hasn't this. been hit yet? It feels like he's not hitting his head on the ceiling. I buy that. feels like he still has room to grow and room to get better. And just most of the other NFC quarterbacks, I don't feel that way about it. I feel like they've played long enough. Yeah, I feel like they've you've seen enough of Kirk Cousins and Carr and Stafford. You've seen these guys for a longer period of your time, and you know what they are. I know who those guys are. I don't know if we know who Kyler Murray is yet. I re- and you think we should by no. now, and they should. God knows they paid him, but I feel like he's still kind of a mystery, and most of the quarterbacks in the NFC aren't. But I would put him in a field with Trey Lance and Fields in Chicago. Like there's the like, there's still a ceiling for these guys. We don't know what it is. They may hit it. They may not. But I think Murray's more in line with like I still need to see a lot like. Nobody needs to say, I need to see a lot more of Kirk Cousins. No. Or I need to see a lot more of Dak Prescott. No, you know, you really don't. Like, you've seen enough of him. Kyler, I could buy the argument that you're making is more to be seen. I think you could say the same thing about Lance and Fields. Yeah, it's just that they don't have the success that Kyler has had so far at this level, right? Like, Kyler's taken a team to the playoffs. Say what you want about him. Mm-hmm. He took a team to the playoffs. Justin Fields hasn't. Trey Lance obviously hasn't. Kyler's won his share of football games. Those other guys haven't. So it's it's a Jordan Love. It's a, don't know anything about him. Don't know a thing about him. Oh, think about the AFC when they get Aaron Rodgers. Now, maybe he's cooked, maybe he's not, but the AFC, from a quarterbacking standpoint, they're about to add Aaron Rodgers at some point. That will make that conference even better than the NFC. It's wide open. Anybody can claim it in the NFC based off of the quarterback situation. That's what I'm saying. Kyler Murray could be second, the second best quarterback in the NFC or the fifth or the eighth, and I don't know that I'd put up an argument with anybody. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Are we getting any closer to a DeAndre Hopkins resolution? Some news you're going to want to hear about that. It's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show.